I'm going to read the scripture, Acts chapter 2. And the last day it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, uh, in, these, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord should be saved. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know that a certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and to the other apostle, Brother, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sin be, uh, may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away. Everyone whom, call, whom, whom the Lord our God called to him. This is the word of God for people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Today we celebrate Pentecost. Several years ago, Lakeview Presbyterian Church in Chicago, Illinois, took to the streets in around Wrigley Field where the Chicago Cubs play baseball. And they asked the question of those walking up and down the streets, what is Pentecost? Got some interesting answers. What is Pentecost? One guy said, that's that new band that I went to hear the other night. Another guy said, isn't that Samsung's new phone? I bet people are really standing in line to buy a new Pentecost phone. My favorite was the lady who said, isn't that the new Tesla model car? The Pentecost? There were a few that vaguely understood that it had something to do with the church, but none of them knew that it was the birthday of the church. None of them knew that on Pentecost, the first sermon was preached by Peter. None of them knew that there was a powerful pouring out of the Holy Spirit. None of them knew that on that Pentecost day that God broke down language barriers to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to people of all nations and all languages. None of them knew that with just that short sermon by Peter, 3,000 converts gave their lives to Christ. Pentecost, the birthday of the church. So this morning, I want to reflect on that first Pentecost. I want to take a look at where we are today and what I believe is that we are on the edge of a, of a new outbreak of the Holy Spirit. And specifically to, to focus on the question of those new converts. They asked Peter, what now shall we do? 
Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words, O God. And for what I don't say, may you fill in the gaps. May you speak your word this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. About a thousand years before the time of Jesus, uh, the Jews started a harvest festival called the, the, the Feast of Weeks. By the time of Jesus, it had become uh, kind of a national holiday celebration. All the Jews were required to come to Jerusalem. They were to celebrate the harvest. They were to bring in harvest offering of grain. And they were to give thanks for the law that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. The main thing about Pentecost was that it was a huge party. They were required to come, but they wanted to come to be a part of this party. By then, it had a Greek name, Pentecost, meaning 50. For it was always on the 50th day following Passover. Jesus ascended into heaven just before Pentecost. And when he did, he gave his disciples a promise. He said to them, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Interesting promise. You will be my witnesses. Jerusalem. Samaria, Judea, to the ends of the earth. But did the disciples really understand? I mean, can you imagine being, as Jesus was ascending to heaven, they were, they were still confused and, and rather uncertain about what their future was going to hold. You're sending us where, Jesus? With what? The, most, the disciples must have thought, and what is this Holy Spirit? John the gospel in chapters 14, 15, and 16 records Jesus teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit. But they had no frame of reference. They had no real experience of, of what this Spirit was and, and how it worked. For the disciples, they thought they were on their own. Little did they know the Holy Spirit was more than they could have ever imagined. Jesus' followers gathered with the other Jews on, on that Pentecost day. Acts tells us that they gathered together in a room. Now, the room must have been large enough for a pretty large gathering, as it's described. <clears throat> but just as God promised, the Holy Spirit showed up. And let's just say it got people's attention. I mean, really got their attention. It's really hard to tell exactly what happened. Acts tells us and describes it as a rush of wind that came through the building. And that tongues of fire appeared over the disciples' heads. And they begin to speak in every language of every person that was there. That video at the beginning of a worship service, if you took that and multiplied it by 10 or 20, that would be the sound of all of those voices and the rush of the wind and the fire. 
It must have been an absolutely incredible scene. It was so crazy. Some of the people thought the disciples were drunk. Now, this isn't your typical charismatic type of speaking in tongues where you, you speak in another language and, and, and people don't really understand. No, instead, this was just the opposite. It was as if that, that the translators at the United Nations were there. And they were translating the, the, the message and the testimony of the disciples into all those different languages. And the disciples were speaking as if they had, had studied those languages all their lives. At some point, Peter takes charge. I'm not sure exactly what the scene was at that point, whether the wind had died down, whether the, the fire had become just a, enough for Peter to speak clearly so that all could hear wasn't a very long sermon. Peter made a case for Jesus as the Messiah. It was the Spirit that gave him language. As we remember by reading the Gospels, Peter wasn't exactly the brightest bulb. But Peter spoke with authority. He spoke with brilliance. He spoke with power. He spoke with clarity. It wasn't a very long sermon, but when he was done, 3,000 came to know Christ. What comes next is an exchange between those converts and the apostles. We, we almost miss it. We, typically on Pentecost, we focus on, on the wind that's rushing upon the fire, the incredible nature of all of those languages that the disciples are speaking together. We focus on the 3,000 converts, and we are impressed by it. And we miss, we miss the question. It's an important question. Acts 2.37. Brothers, brothers, so now what do we do? Now that we have accepted Christ, now what do we do? Now that we have become this Christ follower, what do we do? They're given an answer. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, receive forgiveness, and receive the Holy Spirit. And with that, the supernatural operation and expression of the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church. <sighs> Much has changed in the last 2,000 years. We still proclaim Jesus crucified. We, we still relish the victory of Christ's resurrection. We still break the bread and bless the cup and share in the holy meal of our Lord. We still care for the, the lost, the sick, the alone, and the hurting. But our temptation in the church is to coast. You know, we're, things are going pretty well around here. Generally, we like each other. Generally, we like each other. <laughs> we like the, the way things are going. For us, church life is good, isn't it? Yet we've watched over the last 50 plus years the decline in interest of those around us in the church. 
in many places, the church is stuck. Maybe, maybe our church is stuck. Have we forsaken proclaiming the name of Jesus? I don't think so. As followers of Christ, do we still believe in the power of Jesus' name? Absolutely. Have we forgotten and closed ourselves off to the work of the Holy Spirit? Now, that's a good question. I hope not. Maybe it's time for us to ask the same question that those first converts asked. So now what do we do? So now what do we do? It's been 12 weeks since we moved our worship, Sunday school, core groups, children and youth online. In the early weeks, we knew little about COVID-19. I had hoped it would only last for a few weeks, but it's added, it's lasted much longer. You joined us in the work to make sure the church remained connected. You joined us in our work as we, as we, as, as, as our efforts grew and multiplied. Some we did well, others needed to be tweaked. We were committed to be the church no matter what. No matter what barriers might be in our way. Our plans have changed weekly, sometimes daily, as we've navigated this unknown, unprecedented path. At first, I was afraid that the, the church would just stop. Who'd want to be church online, for goodness sakes? Instead, our opportunities to share the gospel have multiplied and grown. Things we never thought possible have been done. We did not close. Instead, we opened in a new way. God is showing us new ways to do ministry and share the gospel. And I, and I want to be clear here. I do not believe that God sent this virus to punish, admonish, or to teach us a lesson. I do believe that God is using this for his purposes. I've watched as our participation has increased. And, and the week after Easter, it was at its highest point, as always is the case the week of Easter. As over 4,000 joined us in one way or another in online worship that week. We are reaching new groups, new people, people that we thought we would never reach. God is, it's like God is teaching us a new language, a new language to do ministry. So now, what do we do? What do we do? This is not just about getting through a viral pandemic, getting back to normal. The disruption of this pandemic has, has really exposed to us the, the problems in our culture and it has created others, economically, politically, socially, spiritually, religious. The problems and the issues are deep. Our nation is more divided than anyone and any one of us can remember, and maybe ever. The events in Minneapolis this past week are are. are are just 
just an, another horrible example of, of how broken our society is and how much in need of the power and message and presence of Jesus. So now, what do we do? Throw up our hands and let the walls fall down around us? I don't think so. And, and I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking that things have gone too far, that we are beyond saving. How can God do anything with this mess? Think again. That first Pentecost, God chose the worst time that he possibly could to start the church. The, the Romans were, they were a paganistic government and they were in rule. The Jews were resisting. The situation was horrible. And yet that is where God chose to start the church. You know, what's interesting to me is that, is that God waited. God waited at that moment in, in that festival where people were, had come from all nations to speak through the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They went out back to their nations to carry the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you see how God works? That God uses crisis, that God uses circumstances, that God uses all things in ways that we can never imagine. When times are tough, that's when God does God's best work. So what shall we do? I think it's time for us to look at a new beginning, for us to look at a, maybe even new ways to do ministry. There will be some things we want to continue to, to go back to normal, but we would miss the opportunity if we could, did not grab a hold of this and ask some very important questions, like what is next for us? What is next for our church? What is the next vision? What is the next dream? What is God calling us to be? What will the church look like after this? <sighs> what is God teaching us? What new great expression of the message of Jesus Christ can we claim? For those first disciples, it had seemed as if Jesus had abandoned them. And if you've been looking at the news lately, maybe you think the same thing about us. Maybe God has abandoned us. But I don't think so. For on that first Pentecost, just the opposite happened. God was just getting started, and so it is with us. We must never be satisfied. We must never coast. The work of Christ is never done. Now is the time to renew our worship, our commitment to worship. Now is the time to find new ways to grow in our faith. Now is the time to, to grab a hold of those new ways of discipling and serving. For the Holy Spirit will never rest until all have come to know Christ. The Holy Spirit will never rest until it is burning bright in all who hear. The Holy Spirit will never rest. And neither should we. Thanks be to God.